do a flick smacks quick lick. Here are your hosts, Scott and Hello, welcome to a flick smacks quick lick, where we take a quick look at a current theatrical movie release. Yes. I am Terry. I am Scott. And this and is our inaugural Quick Lick show. And Scott, what are we going to take a quick look at tonight? Uh, we will be looking at Joker. Not the Joker, just Joker. It's not uh, a movie about the Steve Miller song. No. No. Which I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Reload. So, you thought it was like a Steve Miller biopic? Yeah. Yeah. Space Cowboy. Some people call him Maurice. So yeah, we uh, we went last night, uh, the Thursday evening, early showing of Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, it's causing quite a polarizing effect on the the movie community on the internet, anyways. Yeah. Like this, they're acting like this is the first film that could incite violence ever yeah and so they're 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 making it they're reviewing it on that based on thinking oh it's it's on pc to have a movie like this at this time how dare you kind of thing well heaven forbid somebody um make a realistic comic book movie you know Mm -hmm. or sorry a movie based on a comic book character yes an original story about a comic book character. Because this is no comic book movie. No. Like, or super villain movie or something like that. It's if, just yeah, if you're a story going of... In, yeah, go ahead, yeah. If you're going in and expecting, like, a Joker that's, you know, squirting acid out of a flower or, mm-hmm. you know... Yeah, um, no. It's the story of a... Seems like a story of an ordinary man on the verge of a mental breakdown, and he just happens to become Joker. Yeah, so yeah, that's my take. Yeah, just to get it out of the way, like if Joaquin Phoenix wasn't the best actor of our time, mm-hmm. um, after watching Joker, I one hundred percent believe in my own opinion on that like mm-hmm. he's oh yeah i mean he he disappears in roles but this one that he becomes the role like it's it's not like as good as heath ledger was this is the new my new feeling of how joker should be portrayed like when he when he doesn't have the makeup on he's a skinny frail timid man yeah. who's beaten down but yeah as as time goes on, once he dons the makeup, that's like his That's his release. That's his shield. Like yeah. he's you know, he thinks he's capable of anything. And yeah. I mean to to have some sort of Batman connection, even though it's not, um, he resembles Christian Bale in the machinist. Like it's that sort of body transformation of just yeah. Yeah. not not quite as drastic yeah but like his head is definitely too big for his body and joke yes yeah he looks like a lollipop yeah but uh he is brilliant 
Yes. Like I don't, I don't really know another word to describe how um, he portrays Arthur Fleck. Um, He's hypnotic. He is hypnotic. Mm-hmm. And like, there are some scenes that are actually hard to watch because he's mm-hmm. so convincing. Yeah, I mean, there's the crux of it is that he does have this condition that he accepts later that it's just who he is, that he laughs when he's not supposed to be laughing. And so if he's angry or he's crying, nervous, you know, embarrassed, he laughs through the pain instead of crying. And you can see scenes where he should be crying because he's that emotionally, that emotional of a wreck that he's laughing so hard, but he's bringing tears to his eyes and it looks like he wants to cry. He just can't. And then that makes him laugh even harder because he just doesn't have the ability to react correctly to the situation. Yeah. It's like nervous laughter times a thousand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even when there's a scene where you go see the stand up comic, even when it's time to genuinely be laughing, he doesn't even know the proper time to laugh. He laughs after the audience has already started laughing. So he's trying to fit fit in with everybody else by joining in on the laughter. And then he also laughs at the setup of the joke and nobody else is laughing. So he doesn't even know the proper time to be laughing when he wants to be laughing. Yeah, it's almost like he's he's laughing at something that he's thinking mm-hmm. to himself. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it was really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, and, you know, people are comparing it, you know, saying it's inspired by like Taxi Driver, just like the crime riddled 70s New York and just, you know, that's a city that's on the verge of explosion with criminality and such. And then uh, other Scorsese movie, King of Comedy, which this certainly does have aspects of, you know, in King of Comedy, it's Robert De Niro who's playing the upcoming comedian who's obsessed with the, uh, yeah talk show host and in this case Robert De Niro now plays the talk show host and you know and he in King King of Comedy and this one you know the comedian um, has delusions and fantasies of just interacting with the talk show host that he's appearing on the show or he's talking with him and and it's yeah there's it's definitely mirrored in both movies like that, where he thinks that he's a part of the show, that he knows it and stuff like that. So, Yeah, there's definitely a Scorsese grittiness to this movie. Mm-hmm. But I think as far as the comparisons to a Scorsese movie, like I think they end there because yeah. like the Joker is far more... it's radicalized yeah yeah, it's just like this movie is invested in using violence and just like mean spirit to 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 get across its message like it's yeah um, i mean he, he does incite a movement within the city but it was never in its intention right it just no kind of happened some people took something that he did as like as like the catalyst of their movement but he he was just defending himself he was just doing it but he became like an icon within within the movement 
and had no idea what his actions were going to cause. Well, and nobody knew who he was. Or, no, I, they or, knew they they knew a clown, and that became their symbol. Yeah, but like the just the character development and you know like the backstory like they really did a good job in Mm -hmm. just just creating this character that's been so beaten down and downtrodden his entire life from birth right up until the current um adult that he is yeah yeah it's a it's an organic progression it's not something that they do because the script tells them to do that. It's you, yeah. They built enough in the character that you could see that. Yeah. This is where he should be going. Like, I think, um, the character starts out not intending to do harm or be violent, but by, by the end and, you know, I don't, think this is a spoiler but by the end of the movie like he all, he, all he wants to do is cause violence yeah you know what i, I mean? mean like he's just you know a clown being one of those sign spinners and because his mom always told him that he would be somebody who could make people laugh and to smile and that's all he was doing he's enjoying his job being a clown and he never wanted any more than that and until you know some hood, hoodlums came and stole a sign and then beat him down and then that kind of started the ball rolling yeah yeah like he just by the end of the movie he's like extreme uh, sociopath like he's mm-hmm. just you know yeah well yeah he puts like he changes everything. Like he, you know, dyes his hair. He puts on like the full makeup and changes his wardrobe. And yeah, he now is embodying Joker by the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the rest of the cast, besides De Niro and maybe Francis Conroy, you don't really, they're just background noise. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, the other main actress in it is like Zazie Beetz, yeah. who you learn her character is actually less significant than you actually are led to believe as the oh, story. She's basically just a vehicle to um, to show his delusion. Like, yeah, yeah. To show his descent into madness. Yeah, yeah. Like he's yeah, yeah. He imagines a relationship with her that doesn't exist. Yeah. There was this. There's this one thing I wrote down because I took notes while we we're seeing the movie, and I just thought I'd say this. There's the part where he's performing his clown act at in front of the terminal kids at the hospital. Yeah, and all that did was just remind me how unfunny and annoying Patch Adams was. So that's all that scene did for me. I've never seen Patch Adams. Mm. <laughs> well, if if my comment does anything for you, then you should probably still stay away from it. Yeah, and yeah. and they yeah and they, they tie into like the Wayne family, you know, because Bruce Wayne is a main character in here, and they have a connection where his mom used to work for the you know the Wayne estate and stuff. So there's that. Yeah, I, I liked how they left that open ended, mm-hmm. like how they involved. Hmm, 
the Batman pathos or legacy or whatever, you know, because when it, when it, you boil it right down, the Joker is a Batman character. Yeah. So, I mean, he lives in Gotham and so Batman's going to be there eventually. So I don't think you could have had an effective Joker origin story like this one without the involvement of the Wayne family or, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, but I think you also couldn't have an effective origin story of Joker if you had grown up Batman because he would have been involved and impeded Joker's advancements with what he was doing. Well, this, this almost like what happens in this movie is almost like um, the Joker aside, this is almost like the tipping point for Gotham where, yeah, you know, it, it opened the doors for like all um, these villains, criminals, like the, the penguin, the Riddler, yeah. Scarecrow, yeah, all these guys, right? Yeah. It's all the, all the regular population are fed up with the rich and only thinking about themselves and you know, down with the wealthy and yeah. So it, yeah, technically the Joker gave birth to all that stuff in mm-hmm. this movie. Not, you know, you don't see it or whatever. No. But if you if you want to interpret it. In yeah, you way. can you can certainly see that if you wanted to, there could be a parallel story happening of another villain being created at that time being inspired by what's happened. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And something I noticed in the movie too that I don't know if you did there was at least three incidents in the movie where they showed a clock face and it was at the time 11, 11 each time the, mm. the clock face was on. It could have happened more, but I definitely saw three times. And so I did some research about this. If there was a significance of 11, 11. Yeah. And it says here, um, 11, 11 is probably one of the most famous number sequences. And many believe it is a passage is a message of awakening. When you see 1111, especially repeatedly, it is a sign from the universe that you have a spiritual awakening and opening up to the divine potential that lives within yourself. So that definitely signifies of him seeing what he is supposed to become. Yeah, that's obvious. Yeah. I didn't know that, but Mm -hmm. you, you reading that? Yeah. That's obviously a plant in the movie. Yes. I mean, like, yeah, unless it wasn't, and it was a message directly to me, and I'm the only one seeing it. So and now you're awake. I'm awake, and I'm seeing what my potential could be. Please don't start dressing like a clown. I, I wouldn't do that. I'd go a different way. i start dressing like something else. I could only imagine. I might start losing clothes before dressing up. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, yeah, there are some scenes in this movie that are very... Like you grit your teeth, it's like wow. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, I mean, there's some. Yeah, there's certainly bleakness to the movie, but it doesn't necessarily make it depressing. It's just no. It's, it's just, just a movie. It's the mood. It's the tone, and it's supposed to be that. So yeah, for them to do something else would be a disservice to the movie. But yeah, there's some there's some great sequences in it. Like I love the montage when uh, 
the Gary Glitter song starts playing. Yeah. Just him going down the stairs and dancing. And I'm sure it's actually in his head too. It's not something that they're playing the score for its soundtrack. I'm sure he has that song in his head while he's doing all that motion. Uh, everything else in this movie mm-hmm. up until a certain point pretty much happens inside his head anyway. Yeah. So it, that just keeps with the theme. Yeah. And I mean, there's a shot with him just wearing the suit. And I think it's after he's gotten away from the cops at the end and he's walking down a, a corridor and he's just sitting there smoking. He's got such swagger. Like he's so confident in his character and his abilities now that he's just like polar opposite of how he was at the beginning of this movie. You know, he's not this frail, shy thing. Like he's, he's owning his moment and he's just got so much confidence. Yeah. Like when uh, the scene in the subway towards the end, when the riot breaks out mm-hmm. and uh, he gets off the, the train mm-hmm. st- kind of stops and admires what he's done. Yes. And then does that little jig mm-hmm. and then walks off. Like that's, yeah, that's Joker right there. That's, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. that's the, that's the comic book bit of the Joker. Yeah. Just reveling in the mayhem he's created. Oh, he loves it. He was yeah. drinking it in. Yeah. And there's another there was another shot in the movie when he that was him backstage at the talk show waiting to get on. And he's just sitting there smoking and he's kind of darkly lit. And then he's just in the, the fog of smoke of him just waiting, taking in everything that's happening on the stage. It's just I don't know how to describe it, but it's just it was such a yeah. great shot. Yeah. Yeah. I just it was like, holy shit. It's like, wow, they it's like they. You could have make a painting of that shot. It was it was beautiful. Like, it was, like how do you direct a guy that good? Like mm-hmm. how do you direct a Joaquin Phoenix? Mm-hmm. Like you just roll camera and like yeah. give him a basic idea, and he probably just just takes it. Mm-hmm. Like I was reading uh, an interview with De Niro. Um, no, it was an interview with Todd Phillips. Mm-hmm. And he said there were scenes where um, Joaquin Phoenix would like literally just stop mid scene and like walk out. Yeah. Because he, he figured he wasn't getting enough out of himself. So he had mm-hmm. to like go reset take a or, walk. Yeah. Except um, he never did that with scenes with De Niro. Right. Just, he just, um, you know, acted professional and. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't make Robert De Niro wait. No. No. And yeah, yeah speaking, and speaking of De Niro, yeah, this is probably his best role in years. I mean, he's... In a long time. Yeah, I mean, he's had some lead roles in the last little bit where he's definitely phoning it in. He's had some great supporting stuff in some, like, David O. Russell films, like, like race, like a um, Silver Linings Playbook and uh, yeah, yeah. American Hustle. But, yeah, but he... he this is the, his almost his medius role in, in a long time. And he actually, you know, plays it well. And like, he's not even in the movie all that much. No. Like he's got, I don't know what, 10 minutes of screen time. Yeah. But he, he commands the screen when he's in it. Like he's yeah. believable as that character. Like he, it's like a throwback to De Niro from heat mm-hmm. or Goodfellas or casino where, you know, he's, he's got yeah, he's, that, he's got a swagger. Yeah. 
you know, where he he's a presence. Like he's just not yeah. there. Like he's, you know, he uh, deserves your attention. Like they got they got rid of his graying hair, mm-hmm. and you know they made him look a little younger. And you know, yeah, he commanded the screen. Yeah. Yeah, and just going back to what you said about how this is kind of being divided among critics and audiences, you know, I've wrote down some of the stats of right now on INDB, it has a 9.1 out of 10 rating, and it's ranked number nine on the all-time 250 list. That will obviously drop once more ratings and stuff come in, but that's fairly high for a very recent movie. And then if you go on Rock Tomatoes, there are 375 total reviews. It has a 69% fresh rating, but top critics are only giving it 43%, but the audience score is 93%. So that's a huge gap in opinion. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, like, the, it's like the audience are more accepting than the, the, the critics are just being harsh for the sake of being harsh because they want to find some fault in the movie. I don't. I think half these critics are scared to publicly admit that they like it in fear of, you know, being that guy. Yeah. They're you know. scared. I'm scared. So, yeah, I, I thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where it will finally fall, but it's definitely going to be in my top three, I think, for the year. Yeah. I still think Midsummer is more original. Yeah, and uh, just as crazy, but on a different, different yeah. wavelength. But like this, uh, the way I judge a movie is if I if I go home and I don't think about the movie, mm-hmm. I probably don't really care for it. But if yeah. I if I think about the movie the next day, mm-hmm. like, and not just like a a slight reminiscing but if you're like analyzing things in your head then that's yeah like if something if something sticks in your head mm-hmm. like in this case like Joaquin's performance like mm-hmm. mind-blowing um that's how i that's when i think a movie is good and it it has when it has an impact on you know on um how I feel about it, mm-hmm. you know, like for example, Rambo last blood. I, I'll probably never think about that movie ever again. Yes. Unless somebody says, mentions the name Rambo last blood, then you think, Oh shit, that was, that was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Was, unless somebody reminds you of it. Yeah. It's not something that you're going to immediately think about. Like it's not, I wouldn't give it five stars. I'd give it four and a half because it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Like no movie is perfect. I don't think, but it's very close. And it'll, yeah, it'll, it depends. Depends on a couple more movies coming out this year where it will fall. But. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be, it certainly will resonate. And it's not one of those movies where at the end of the year, when I'm making my, top movies of the year list it's not one where i have to go back and remember that i try to remember that i saw it's one that i'm going to immediately think and say oh yeah that was one yeah, of the good ones. yeah yeah like depending on how the irishman is mm-hmm. 
I hate to say this, but how the Star Wars saga ends. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Joker's definitely top five, regardless of whatever else I watch this year. Yeah, no, and I'm the more and more I see the trailer, the more high hopes I'm getting for Doctor Sleep too. Yeah, I think I don't know. This is the Flix Max quick lick, but <laughs> I uh I don't know. I'm I'm confused by the like where what what they're taking the story from, where they're from the movie. They're taking it from both. Yeah. Which is weird to me because mm. Stephen King hated The Shining, the movie. Unless you're talking about the Stephen Weber version. I you? never talk about the Stephen Weber but, version. But, but if somebody is, Stephen King would be all, is on board for that version. Yeah. yeah. But they've obviously plucked scenes from the original Shining, the Kubrick Shining. Mm-hmm. Of Danny and the twins. Or, unless those are just coincidentally identical identically reshot with mm-hmm. new actors mm-hmm. um and they're they're obviously using the the appearance of the overlook from the movie the mm-hmm. shining but you also see the character of um the cook what's his name in the trailer for Dr. Sleep because right. in the shining novel, he doesn't die. He's not right. murdered. Okay. Right. So what are you doing? Where, what are you like? Unless I, that, unless that seems like a flashback, right? So then, then they, they have reason to show him in there. So unless. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, you know how I feel about the shining. Yes. Like it doesn't need a fucking movie sequel. I mean, I think maybe part of my liking for the trailer is just the use of the score from the shining. It certainly adds an element of yeah. Oh yeah. Power, right. So, but that could be just timing. Yes. You know what I mean, it's but, a, it's a well put together trailer in order to try to hone in on the fans of the I'll, shining. I'll say one thing like, I've read 75% of Dr. Sleep. I'm still working on it. But, like, and it, it's a good book. Yeah. Does the trailer so seem faithful to... There's the definite, There's definitely things in the trailer that I recognize from the, the book. Mm-hmm. Um, like, those people... Uh, those people that kind of... Suck the essence. Yeah, they're like, like they're psychic, succubus. Su- psychic vampires, basically, that right. find people who have the shine and steal that from them. Mm. And that's how they live. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a good book. And mm. I'll definitely, I'm going to go see it. But I'm just confused as to, you know, what, what they're going to include in the movie as far right. as this book over here this movie over here this story over here or is it just going to be like whatever Plus, then the director's interpretation as well right what what yeah what new elements is he going to bring to everything but is stephen king going to hate the movie because they use 
footage from the original Shining. Like, right. I guess I don't know. I know, but sometimes Stephen King isn't the best judge of his own movies because there's some movies that came out that he says, oh, this is a great movie, and it's not. So when he says it's a bad movie, it could be as well. Because he thought The Dark Tower was exceptional. Well, what about um, his directorial turn in Maximum Overdrive? I loved that as a kid, but I've seen it as an adult, and it does not hold up. And it's, it's a bad It's, it's a, a bad, bad movie. It's a bad movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the best thing about the movie is the soundtrack. So you can easily listen to the soundtrack without having to watch the movie. ACDC? Yes. So yeah, maybe we got a little off track here, but whatever. No, oh, whatever. It's our first shot at a quick lick. So, so we'll at least, we're, things at least up. we're talking about current things. Yes. Um, so yeah, final thought on the Joker. I thought it was exceptional. Yes. I don't care if people think it's too violent or it's going to you know, make people think it's okay to blame mental illness on violence or vice mm-hmm. versa or whatever. It's just a movie. Yeah. Um, forget about any Batman pathos or mm-hmm. story or whatever. This is like a standalone vessel. Yeah. I mean, it's for what it is, it's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, um, it certainly lived up to my expectations, and I think Joaquin Phoenix exceeded my expectations. Oh. I knew he would be good. I just didn't know he would be at that level. And, you know, it is it is what it is. And, you know, if you're going there expecting, like, an absolutely off-the-wall crazy portrayal of the Joker, you're not getting that because it's more of a real-life humanized version of a guy experiencing mental breakdown and becoming what he will become and he's not he's not there yet as a character and so he's just developing and yeah it's the yeah you it's a great you definitely have to wait until the second last scene to actually see the birth of the joker yes yeah and but... he's like, yeah, he's just realizing what he's capable of and at the end of the movie and then you know he'll go on and be you know crazy as a sequel, if they did a sequel, but at this point they're saying no sequel, but if money it makes talks. money, yeah, if it makes money, then yeah, there's a sequel. But yeah, yeah it's uh but yeah, no, it's, it was as good as I hoped, if not better. So, and I think we also, without acknowledgement, see like the birth of Arkham Asylum. Mm, yeah. And stuff. So. Yeah, I, it was it was great. I liked mm-hmm. it. I really yes. enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It was a really nice date we had together. We did. I mean, we could have held hands for longer, but I think maybe you were just um, involved with the movie. And uh, you know, I can't hold hands for more than ninety minutes. Yeah, I know. My with I was getting excited with the movie. My hand might have been a little bit sweaty, and so you might that might have just been, you know, unpleasant for you. But uh, it's always pleasant. Okay. So, yeah, I guess that's it for uh, number one episode of Flick Smacks Quick Lick. Yes. (laughs) By the way, we, Scott came up with that title about five minutes before we started to record, so. I don't even know if it was five minutes, but yeah, we we had a few different things, and yeah, I don't know. So I apologize for Quick Licks, but it's it's sticking. Yeah. It's, It's a good one. Yeah.
So yeah, stay tuned for our special Halloween episodes. Currently, um, well, I guess we'd have to record one pretty soon. Yes. So yeah, throughout October, we're going to do special episodes. Yeah. Probably a couple regular episodes. Maybe Hopefully. even a quick lick here and there. Yes, just a quick lick, a little bit of taste. And obviously, this is probably longer than we anticipated. But I think the length of our quick licks will be determined on how good the movie is. If yeah. the movie sucks, we're not going to be talking about it that long. No. If the movie's good and is worthy of talking about, then we're going to talk about it. Yeah, like Rambo would have got three minutes. Yes. And that was, and that's talking about the synopsis too, not even adding our... Yeah, that's just explaining the movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I think we're good. Yes. All right, so uh, until sooner than later, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Terry. And I am Scott. Toodles. Toodles.